This is Inspector Toolbelt Talk. Welcome back to another riveting episode of Inspector Toolbelt Talk. How are you, David? Welcome back. Doing well. How are you doing, Ian? Hey, not bad. You uh, you said that very kind of almost like Barry Manilow-ish, like, how are you doing, Ian? <laughs> it's not that good. <laughs> not that good. Yeah, just coming over COVID, so got a little bit of deeper voice than usual, I guess. Got your Batman voice going on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we actually had a friend, he'd always go on Instagram when he had a cold, start recording videos. He's like, I sound so cool right now. <laughs> Everybody's laughing at him. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it's funny that you can't speak normally today because that's actually what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about public speaking for home inspectors. And this was actually your idea, but I, I thought it was pretty fantastic because um, we do a lot of public speaking and not... When I say public speaking, I'm not talking about just in front of four or five people at the inspection, but most of us who own our own business, or even if we work for another inspector, some of us will do office presentations, we'll do uh, conferences, we'll do uh, first-time homebuyer seminars, the whole nine yards, anywhere from five to hundreds, and sometimes, sometimes thousands of people. We have an opportunity to very rarely, but most of the time it's going to be in the couple dozen range. So I've actually had home inspectors ask me about this. Not necessarily what do I present, although that's a question that we're actually going to do in a podcast coming up here, what to present. But we're going to talk about the basic principles of public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I hope that people don't pay too much attention to what I say, though, because uh, I know a lot of principles. I still have to work on how to apply them all in my own speaking, I think. <laughs> Well, you're a very experienced public speaker, so you've been doing public speaking for 20, 30 years now? Yeah, something like that. Somewhere in that range. Uh, me and you both belong to the same public speaking school where we've both been students and um, also instructors in it, so to speak. And uh, what's the biggest crowd you've ever spoken to? Um, that's a good question. I don't think, I mean, near a thousand, I don't think over a thousand Small crowd. <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, and I'm usually speaking like you in front of maybe 100 people or 200. Um, the largest crowd I've done is a little over 3,000. Uh, and, you know, I've technically, I get paid to do public speaking at times. I feel really um, weird saying that. But yes, people do actually pay me to use my words in front of people's faces. So we, just, we the only reason we bring that up is to add some validity to things that we've learned as basic principles for public speaking that work in both small and large crowds. Uh, we're going to give some basic principles, but st stay tuned and listen in because uh, we're also going to give you some very real tips and tricks. Some things that you can use, you know, big principles or small principles all aside. The classic, okay, if you're in this situation, never picture people in your underwear if you ever heard that expression. Picture people with more clothes on. It, <laughs> Can't get worse. It, yeah, it can't get worse. So, David, what's what's the first point of our discussion today? Well, I figured the first point to start with is the first point you should start with when you prepare a public speaking assignment of any kind. That's to do research. 
um, you want to know, first you want to know your subject really well, you know, talking to about home inspectors, knowing exactly what you want to talk about. But also you want to pair that up with knowing the audience that you're going to present this for. Because uh, if you're speaking about home inspection in front of a group of home inspectors, you can go you know, really deep, really technical. Um, on the other hand, if you do that in front of a group of real estate agents, they're really not going to care too much about the things you're talking about. Yeah. And I think um, the doing research part is what I see often lacking the most. Because we walk in and we say, well, how bad can it be? I'm going to talk about home inspections. I do that every day. But there's always going to be somebody. And I think the most common application of what we're talking about is um, office presentations and buyer seminars and things like that. I think that's the most common application for most of us as inspectors. But if we're going to go in there and talk about, you know, just general home inspection, we better know that subject really well. Uh, somebody might throw a, a curveball at us. Like we're talking about decks. Like, okay, today on my presentation, I'm going to talk about decks. Now somebody asks you about a new code that came out or um, certain type of footing that we didn't really know about. Even though we're going to talk about five minutes, about five points, we might want to research the other 30 points that may come up by that one dude in the audience saying, I read on Google that you can't do this. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be one. Yeah. The more researched we are, the better. Yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> you want to make sure that you keep your timing in mind. So yes, you want to prepare a wide range of subjects, but keep these main points in your mind. Uh, you know, these are the points I want to touch on. And say you have a 15 minute window. Okay. I, I got three minutes for each of these points. Uh, this is the information I want to share about those points that is vital that I get across. Um, having extra information in your back pocket doesn't hurt, but if you try to squeeze too much information in a short window, uh, you're going to end up either rushing through it or not giving uh, each point the attention it deserves. Uh, yeah, timing is actually a really good one. I see a lot of people make the mistake on that, especially the broker if they say, you have 15 minutes. Everybody in the office knows you have 15 minutes. They're sitting in the office. No matter how interesting we think we sound or how interested they look, when 15 minutes hits, it's interesting, um, and we've been taught this, that once that time stops, people by nature start to realize things are going overtime. Mm -hmm. I did a 30-minute presentation in front of about 120, 30 people this past weekend, and I ended at 29.3 minutes. Exactly. Because even one minute overtime, everything you said the 10 minutes prior to that, now all just went out the window and they're like, is he still going? Mm -hmm. Why does it feel like it should be stopping? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They stop listening right at the point. It's funny. Uh, that's just the way it works too. I mean, of course, everybody has busy lives, but even if they have a large window of time open, uh, it's something mental that just shuts off when you hit that time that if they know that you have a, a time limit, so to say. Yeah. So it takes into account practice. We want to make sure that we practice thoroughly and account for variables. Somebody asks a question and it takes a little while to answer. So if we have a 15-minute presentation, instead of five minutes for Q&A, maybe add seven minutes or even eight minutes because we really, really want to end on time. A couple other reasons why. If I were the broker and I invited you, David, to come give a 15-minute presentation and it took you know 18 minutes or 25 minutes, I'm probably not going to have you back that readily because now it ate into other points that I needed to bring out. Mm -hmm. Now my agents aren't hitting the streets like they should be. I brought in bagels and I wanted everybody to have a bagel. It, it takes attention away from what the broker actually needed there. So if you end on time, it also gives you an opportunity to leave them wanting more. Mm -hmm. That's a basic principle of public speaking. Always end at the peak. Too many people wait until 
nobody's asking questions and nobody seems interested, okay, that's the time to end. If you got to that point, you gave a terrible presentation because all they remember is the end Mm -hmm. when nobody wanted to listen anymore. Always end when you have three or four hands up and people are still asking questions. Say, hey, listen, thank you very much, but I want to hand this over to your broker. If you have questions, I'll be in the back, you know, if you stay for the rest of the presentation. Home buyer seminars, that's the best. Always end with hands up. Mm-hmm. Even if you have time left, if there's two or three hands up, stop. Because now at the end of the presentation, say, come see me personally. And then you end up having a little crowd around you talking after the presentation. Yeah. And it's a good time too to have, you know, your business cards handy. Uh, say, I have a stack of business cards. If you want to email me a question later on or call me up, a good way to spread that word too. Yeah, exactly. So be prepared for anything, but go under time. Every single time. And that's super hard, especially when everybody seems to be getting into it. But there's also a perception. Maybe the broker's getting into it, but his 20 agents aren't. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's two or three agents sitting up front asking lots of questions about septic systems. But now there's 18 agents behind them going, oh my goodness, when is this going to be over? (laughs) Always end early. Yeah, I think we all wanted to strangle one of our workmates at one point or another when they kept asking questions. (laughs) Let me ask you another question. (laughs) This meeting was over 10 minutes ago. So let's get into the nitty gritty of that too. So now we now we're prepared. Um, we've practiced, and we're, we're when we're doing our practice, we're under time. Be prepared to speak a little bit quicker when you're on site, with a little bit of nerves and everybody watching us. If I have a presentation that's 30 minutes, I practice it right out at 30 minutes, and then I'll usually be done between 27 to 29 minutes, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, same thing for me. I always speak. It, it's funny that, you know, you keep t- telling yourself, you know, I want to keep it calm, keep a, you know, moderate tempo so it's easy to understand. But once you're, you know, in front of the crowd or in front of the camera, <laughs> you just keep going a little, little bit faster. Yeah, exactly. So just a couple of really good tips, though, for now getting into the nitty gritty of preparing. So have an outline, but not a manuscript. Uh, I usually will write down on a card a sentence or two. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about um, maybe the buyback guarantee, I might write down pre-listing inspections and then I might write down buyer's inspections. So now I remember the two main points. If we do any more than that and we keep looking at our cards, have you ever watched a talk show and a guy kept looking down at his cards? It feels unreal, right? It doesn't feel natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to outlines, it's interesting because there there are a lot of different ways to do outlines out there. Uh, we can't go into them all, but um, some like to use a mind map where like thoughts are connected on a paper. Uh, something I've found that works pretty well for me is using pictures as an outline. Like I, I guess I'm kind of a, a visual person that way. So if I see a picture, that helps me remember, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about with this picture. And which is why I actually put into our notes uh, a PowerPoint presentation, if that's the way you work. You know, having a picture here and there uh, that will pop into your mind, okay, uh, I have this picture of this basement for this reason because I'm going to talk about this point. And then you can talk freely about that. And you have those pictures as your personal outline, maybe with a word or here scribbled down, uh, here and there scribbled down. Yeah. So be careful with PowerPoints. What I've seen guys do with PowerPoint presentations, and I've had brokers complain about it to me, is they just read the PowerPoint presentation. So you have a big long paragraph or even just a few sentences, and it's like we we can read that faster than you can in our minds. <laughs> Don't do that. Do like you just said. Have a picture. Okay, guys, here's how a septic system is hooked up. So actually, one of the most requested presentations, ironically, that we have are about septic systems. 
I always thought that was funny because we have some really great presentations and people are like, tell us about poop in our backyard. Oh, okay. Don't have a lot of words. Who doesn't want to hear about that? <laughs> yeah, why, why not? We'll, we'll talk about that. But brokers actually have us visit multiple offices with that presentation. But um, yeah, very few words. You can actually have notes on the back end as a little pro tip of your PowerPoint presentation. So you have private notes that go on your screen side by side with your picture that you put up for everybody to see. So the private notes they can't see. But again, if you're just reading them or you're reading a manuscript, you're doing it wrong. Um, a little tip here. I one time did a presentation that uh, I was there and also a dry basement company. The dry basement company people walked in and he was a professional salesman that they hired. Um, and I couldn't believe it because he didn't have a really great way about him. When he talked, he looked at the floor or he looked at his hands and he's talking. It's like he was talking to himself in the corner and he leaned up against the wall. And you're kind of like, you know, when you're kind of like waiting in line, you're kind of bouncing off the wall just slightly. That's what he was doing, talking. It was the most awkward presentation. You could see the agents. Agents, remember, are professional salespeople. And when we're doing seminars, these people are usually have jobs. So a lot of them will have jobs where they have to do public speaking. Maybe they've done courses, kind of getting judged a little bit. Yeah. So a couple of, couple of things that we can do. Uh, there, there's what's called the three-second rule. Make eye contact across the room with separate people for no more than three seconds and no less than one. Now, we're not, we don't have to go out there and time it, but just practice. Like uh, maybe put up a couple, this sounds weird, maybe put up a couple posters or get some friends, practice your speech in front of them, which we'll talk about. Uh, it shouldn't be a speech, speech, it should be a presentation. And practice three seconds of eye contact. Matter of fact, I follow this channel um, on YouTube and they talk about that. If you look at Movie stars that do really well with their speeches at like shows and stuff like that. They're like, wow, that was really great. They're like, no, it's this person. This person basically said the same thing. But this person used the three-second rule. They looked over their whole audience, and they never really went back to the same person twice until they got through most everybody. Three-second rule. Uh, so we're not talking about when you drop something on the floor. That's the five-second rule. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that, that, I don't think that's proven. But there's our first tip. And if you have a hard time looking at people in the eyes, look at their forehead uh, just above their brow. They won't be able to tell 99% of the time. I can always tell. Uh, like someone looks at my forehead and I see it's just going uh... <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm not talking about looking at the top of their forehead. Like in, bet in, in between their nose, just above the brow. <laughs> um, it's a nice trick because sometimes when, like I do it a lot. And when people are awkward, some people are going to be awkward. Let's be honest. Some people are going to be awkward and loud. You're going to have the one agent in the back talking and this agent here just making unbreaking eye contact. That's the worst thing we could do as a public speaker, unbreaking eye contact. But you see somebody else doing it. They're like, I'm going to stare you down and I don't blink. <laughs> so we're uncomfortable with that. Me, I'm just, I love awkwardness. I'm like, oh, cool. Let's stare contest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll even talk about it. I'm like. I might or might not have done that to other people in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love to roll up my tie at meetings and then let it drop when they look at me. <laughs> but if we feel awkward around that stuff, stop making eye contact and it helps. Just look above their eyes and people won't be able to tell. But three second rule. That's a good one. Just don't use your laser pointer to point where you're looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there are some awkward, like when I've taught courses for uh, real estate agents and home inspectors, I, when I was, a, I'm still a New York State home inspector instructor, just don't really ever do it. There were some awkward people in there. Like just I'm like, man, I do this a lot and you're still just making us really weird up here. 
<laughs> just, I don't know. Yeah. I had the, I had the peanut gallery a couple of times where two guys in the back just making crude jokes the whole time. Cause they were bored. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, here we are. We have eight hours of this. So hope you run out. Another thing is we're going to talk about gestures. It, matter of fact, the same YouTube channel that I follow, they talk about uh, a very common gesture is, um, we kind of like talk and slap our hands at the side. You know, we kind of hold our hands down, raise a hand to talk and say, if you look up on the roof and then our hand immediately goes back down to our side and it almost slaps our thigh. That is almost immediately the worst possible way. So we talked about that guy leaning against the wall. Stand up straight, decent posture, but not awkward like we're sticking out our chest. Don't cross our arms. Gesture with our arms forward and our palms up. And interestingly enough, they, they showed two people, one guy gesturing, where he was either holding the podium or hands at the side, um, and other people gesturing, versus uh, they used Tom Holland, interestingly enough, as, as an example. They're like, now watch Tom Holland talk about this subject. And he's gesturing with his hands up, with his palms up, rather. And for some reason, it just felt more comfortable to watch. So there's a little trick. Gesture with our palms up and our hands in front of us. The tricky thing about gestures is that it, it's good to have them, but if you don't do them right, it's almost worse to have them than not, not to have them. Um, they can look very mechanical, especially if you repeat the same gesture over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of practice to get that one down right. Uh, and it's good to have someone to actually tell you, you know, that gesture, maybe you should stop. You know, doing the same, <laughs> same movement over and over. Yeah, you know, it's and there's two types of gestures. There's emphatic gestures and there are descriptive gestures. So an emphatic gesture is we're talking and our emotions are coming out and we're gesturing to for emphasis. You know, we might, not that if you're listening on audio, you can't see me here, but, you know, I shrugged my shoulders and I lifted my hands. I wasn't describing something. Those are the ones that get us in trouble. Mm -hmm. Descriptive gestures, those are easy. You know, we're talking about the roof so we raise our hand up and make a like a flat angle and okay that's the top of the roof you know down into the basement and we kind of gesture downward those are the kind of things that are a little bit easier so try to add more descriptive gestures at first and less emphatic ones because the emphatic ones add liveliness but if we're a new speaker they're also what are what going to get us in trouble <laughs> yeah especially if you roll your eyes when someone's talking <laughs> yeah exactly like I just did when you were. <laughs> also, to practice in front of people. That's an important one. I had a I had a guy recently. He's just like, I had to do a presentation. I'm like, oh, practice in front of your family. He's like, nah, I feel awkward. That's the idea. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How are you going to talk in front of those 50 first-time homebuyers if you didn't practice in front of your family? Yeah, and it's imp important to pick the right audience, too. You don't want to pick someone that is not going to be painfully truth, uh, painfully honest with you. You really want to know their honest opinion. You don't want them to just pat you on the back and say, that was great. But instead, you know, really give you a good review. Uh, you know, this is you did good. Keep working on that one. You know, this one, not so good. So you might want to practice that more. And uh, one thing is... You can use each time you have a presentation also as a practice for next time. So asking for feedback after you're done, you know, maybe you can ask someone beforehand, someone in the audience that you might know a little bit before, just be like, hey, uh, can you just, you know, tell me a few points that I need to work on for my next presentation and take notes? You know, I think that's important to do uh, at, with anything that we do as home inspectors for marketing. Because one of the worst things that I've seen happen is... Uh, 
I had this, I had this one client years ago and I'm like, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you'd have a better conversion rate. And so we did X, Y, Z and his conversion rate went up. Then he was talking to his wife and he's like, he's like, she doesn't like that. I'm like, okay, but you're okay. This doesn't make sense, but all right. And he's like, and then I, I put it on one of the home inspector forums and they all said, this is stupid. So what are you trying to do here? I'm like, well, I'm trying to increase your conversion rate. I'm like, are you marketing to your wife and to home inspectors? So we changed it back and his conversion rate went down, but he was happier with it. So I, I, I didn't really understand that. But we have to know who we're going to market to. So if we're doing a first time homebuyer seminar, grab some friends. It doesn't have to be a ton of them. Have a little pizza. Say, hey, can I practice my 10 minute presentation in front of you guys that have never bought a house? And then tell them beforehand, be brutal. Like you said, be brutally honest. Tear me apart. And they'll may, they may say things like, all you just said was fluff. You need to give me something to chew on. I want to know, what do I do next? Do I follow you on the inspection? Can I be there? What are you responsible for? Who fixes it afterwards? You know, and then we're like, oh, okay, let's trash that and, and start over. Now, if, if we're going to do an office presentation with agents, it may be a little bit harder, but can we find a couple agents that we know? Say, hey, can you watch this? Like, no, 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 don't talk about that. Every home inspector comes in and talks about, you know, I'm the most thorough inspector and here's what's included in the home inspection. Drop that. Talk about this instead. Perfect. It's the same thing we talked about on, man, it's probably two years ago now with our home, with our home inspection website podcast. Stop showing your website to other home inspectors. Uh, other home inspectors aren't looking for the same thing that a consumer is looking for. I watched this guy online. This was probably eight years ago or so. He's like, let's build the perfect home inspection website. And he got all the home inspectors to put it out there. And it was the worst <laughs> possible website in the world. I'm like, where's the phone number? <laughs> Somebody wanted to get a hold of you. There's no phone number. There's a eighty. There's an 80-page website on hydrostatic pressure and, and um, uh, step flashing, but <laughs> there's no reason to actually hire you. So two different audiences. What one audience wants to see, the other one really doesn't. So know your audience and practice in front of them. And uh, it's good to don't overwhelm yourselves. So if you get tips, don't say, okay, I'm going to work on all these things at once. Um, you know, kind of get an idea of which ones are the most pressing ones. I'm going to take three, two, three items. I'm going to work on those for my next presentation, see how I did on those and see if I can drop them and work on some of the other ones. Yeah. And remember two subject matters. So before we even start working on something, get some help. So even if you go to our website, inspectortoolbelt.com, for our users, we actually have pre-built office presentations for them. And if you email us on that page and request which presentation you want, we'll actually change it to match your company, add your logo, your change all the colors to match. Look at those presentations. You'll notice that none of them are about home inspections in general. Every agent in that room knows what a home inspection is. Pick the subject that matters to them. And I can't believe it every time whenever a guy calls me, Ian, can I run this presentation by you? And I'm like, okay, is it about home inspections in general? Well, yeah, what else am I going to talk about? I'm like, anything but that. Why? Unless you're doing a first-time homebuyer seminar, then talk about that. Do you know what a home inspection is? Do you know what it covers? And if you listen to our other podcasts, use the driveway speech. I can turn my driveway speech into a first-time homebuyer seminar in about 10 minutes, and it, and it works beautifully. Yeah. So choose the right subject. And I think it goes back to your point, too. Know your audience. What matters to a real estate agent? You know, for instance, you could have a presentation on what to do after, you know, something's been called out as a defect that you don't think it is. You know, that's a sensitive subject. Could we talk about, I've talked about that in office presentations. 
And I've gone over the fact that, you know, general practitioners, we're not going to always be right. But, you know, if I see a house that's crooked, I'm going to say houses are crooked. You know, it is what it is. But instead of, you know, creating aftermath of being, okay, well, let's just prove them wrong. Say, okay, be very calm, get the specialists, have the specialists come in and make the call. Um, I, I usually try to turn them more into question and answers. And I ask the agents, what have you done when this happens? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've done entire presentations where basically I didn't really say much. Yeah. And they did the presentation for me and they're like, that was great. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. You guys did it all. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's funny, you know, question and answer. You can have so little material prepared, mm-hmm. just having the right questions, knowing beforehand some of the concerns they have. You can just use those questions. And and like you said, people will love it. They'll think it's amazing when you yourself know, I, I didn't do really anything. I just, you know, listened to your questions, gave answers. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you know what is beautiful about what you just said is the point where you don't really have to prepare a whole lot material-wise. So that goes back to be well-researched, know everything really well, but then just have three to five questions prepared. The, my favorite presentation that I used to do was, um, um, I didn't really have a name for it, but it was basically, what do you look for in a home inspection report? And I already knew from doing the presentation a bunch what they were going to say. I just need it. If there's a defect, just call it a defect. So I'm like, oh, okay. So you really want clearly defined defects. And I'd already have my presentation built out. So Whatever they were looking for, I'd have like 15 slides, but I'd only use like five or six of them for that audience. So I'd have a slide for if they talked about clearly defined defects. Or I don't want a whole lot of fluff. Okay, well, here's a slide for not a whole lot of fluff. You know, I want want a PDF, not a web report. Or I want a web report, but no PDF. Or I want both. I'd have a slide for each one of those. And I kind of just kind of hop around a little bit. Um, you didn't even really need to do that, though, because uh, the question and answers, it would just open up a conversation. And now they felt listened to instead of talked at. Audience partition, participation, if you're listening to this, that is the best possible route to go. If you're nervous, you're doing, especially if you're doing your first presentation, do one that's completely audience participation. Have an introduction saying, hey, my name is Ian. Today we're going to talk about what do you look for in a report? Do they have to say, my name is Ian? They do. Especially if their name is Ian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But now that's your whole introduction. So let me start off by this presentation by asking, what is it that you look for in a report? And sometimes I wouldn't always get an answer on that one. So I'd follow it up with, Mm -hmm. what have you found on a report that you hate? What do you hate? About some yeah. home inspectors' reports. Strong feelings, so yep. elicit a response usually. Yep. So we're usually going to get a lot of participation. Prepare for the occasional they don't. So again, that's mm-hmm. pre- be prepared. Say, okay, they didn't say anything. So let me go through these five slides about why my reports are better. You know. Mm-hmm. the Or, um, like you said, if you have um, experience from this uh, previously, these are the things that other um, people mentioned that they really had a problem with on reports. Yeah. You know, we've had um, uh, a lot of success from our, we have one of our office presentations on our website. Again, they're free is about how to use the report and why our reports are better. And it goes to the inspector tool belt app, but I've had guys 
email me and thank me saying, wow, this, this made it easy. I got halfway through and there's a couple of questions and now, you know, everybody's talking. So, and again, they're like, I think the longest one is like seven slides. We have a short version and we have a long version. Um, going back to that timing thing, know what your audience wants for timing. We've been asked to do presentations that are five minutes. And then I've had uh, offices say, we're doing a training day. It's all day. We have speakers coming in eight hours straight. Can you do a full hour and bring lunch? Yeah. So now you need to stretch that out, not stretch it out and fill it. You want to make it interesting. You want to make it something that people will think about afterwards. Mm-hmm. And one option for that too is, you know, don't treat it as a one, one hour presentation. Think of it as like four 15 minute presentations. It'll help people keep the, you know, help keep people's attention uh, much easier because usually you shut down on one subject after, you know, 15 minutes. So switch it over. That's a beautiful point. Yeah, I like that. So if we have an hour-long presentation, can we break it up into four subjects? And then tell them that at the beginning. We have four points that will take 15 minutes each on. So now you're halfway through when you're done with that, with 15, two 15-minute sessions, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. This is moving along. Yeah, that's great. I like that. Yeah, And if you have someone else working with you, uh, switching speakers will also help uh, people keep attention. <laughs> yeah, I think that that works well for larger companies. That basement company that I just talked about, they would always send two guys and they would kind of play off each other. It's just the one guy was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> good cop, bad cop? No. <laughs> no, I don't know. Good speaker, bad speaker. But um, <laughs> yeah, that that would be great if we had more than one inspector, kind of, especially for a husband and wife team. Can we go back and forth? That would be nice. I like that. That's a good suggestion. Another thing is enthusiasm and naturalness. I think that's really hard if you're not regularly public speaking. Like I went through a dry spell. I think it had been like two, two and a half months recently where I hadn't talked in front of more than two or three people at a time. So I got up and I started to speak in front of 120 people and it felt weird. Like it didn't feel natural, you know, and this podcast, I mean, we get, what did that one estimate say? Uh, like 2,400 downloads a week. Um, so technically we're talking in front of 2,400 people a week, but I'm just sitting here with you. Yeah. So I, I got a up great there. audience. Yeah, you're a great <laughs> audience. I'm making lots and lots of three second eye contact. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. So it felt weird. And then it reminded me when I first started public speaking, the fear the shakiness, the throwing up. Yeah, the lack of throwing <laughs> up, the lack of naturalness. So I think that goes back to the old saying, if you feel uh, nervous, picture people in their underwear because it puts them at a uh, it puts them at a disadvantage. But here's my here's my thing on it. I've always felt the most comfortable not putting people at a disadvantage because here's the thing, even when I would teach a course. So technically New York State or what uh, Cornell University one time, I, I taught a bunch of courses for them. They're like, you're an expert at this. Feel strongly about it. But I'd be teaching the course, and sometimes there'd be guys in the room where I'm like, you blew my mind. I'm like, you should be up here. Wow, you're a genius. So if I took that arrogant approach, I've had people take that arrogant approach with me in the audience. It doesn't feel right. If that's what we need to get natural, it's not going to work out well for us because we're pumping ourselves up. And the first time someone in the audience kind of knows a little bit more than we do, 
or they kind of throw us off track a little bit. Cause some people like to do that. Oh, he seems like he's very natural. Let me throw a joke at him or throw a weird fact or my own opinion. See if I can throw him off. There's always that one guy. Um, if we're puffed up, it's easy for us to pop. Now your clothes are off. <laughs> now my clothes are off and that gets awkward when I start taking my clothes off and they're in a meeting. <laughs> Here's my approach. I always walk into the room. Everyone in there, I assume everyone in there knows more than me. I try to take a humble approach. All of my courses, I always start out, I always learn something from all of you. And I try not to keep telling myself it. I try to actually build it into my inner self. They probably know more than me. And I forget who said it, but you can learn from all men, no matter who they are. There's Every person that you meet can teach you something that you don't know. When we realize that, we go in with a humble approach. Now, if you're humble, who said that? Was that Hammurabi? <laughs> no, I'm saying I didn't even realize something could smell like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, moving on. <laughs> but when we go in with a humble attitude like that, number one, it puts our audience automatically on disarm. That guy in the back that wants to be the peanut gallery, all of a sudden doesn't sound so funny because he's not being a jerk to a guy who's puffed up. He's being a jerk to the guy that humbly walked into the room and is genuinely interested in helping people. Now everybody looks at the guy in the back and saying, dude, shut up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let him finish the presentation. Uh, you get honest answers from people. When people approach you, me humbly, and especially I was, I was telling you, I was talking to an engineer friend of mine. He asked me a question about something that I know that he is nationally recognized for. And he asked me a question. I'm not going to try to stump that guy. I'm going to I'm going to respect them more for that. When we approach the situation humbly, especially with agents, I would often say it and like, "Listen, you've been doing this a long time." And I would point to a couple of agents that I know that did it for a long time. I'm like, "He's been doing it longer than me. He's been doing it longer than me. So I'm not trying to be here tell you what to do. Let me show you what I've learned on a particular subject and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it." Really hard to be a jerk to that guy. You know what I mean? Mhm. Mm but we have to honestly believe it, not have mock humility. In yeah. other words, we just feign it. Yeah, no, that's really put off. There's a word. There's there's a word, though. Word of the day. Feign. Mm, it's not that good. <laughs> not that good? Okay. See, there you go. But um, I find that helps me to be enthusiastic and natural and takes the pressure off of me. Because mm -hmm. now when I've approached that, I'm like, I don't have to be the expert. Mm -hmm. I've already determined in my mind that they are. None of they don't know something. Here, let me show you. Yeah. But I always take it as, let me show you what, I, what I've learned. No, that's a good approach. I think that's also one of the best things about um, our podcast here. The people that we've had on the podcast are just awesome, highly successful home inspectors. But they all come in with a very humble attitude and they share. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to do this, but here's what works for me. And they give us tips and tricks. And I think those have always been the best podcasts. Yeah, no, that's true. I enjoy those. We can learn from them. It's another point or two that we can share, David. Well, one thing that you mentioned before is about the personal appearance. Um, <clears throat> and it's, you know, it it depends a lot on the setting, of course. Uh, but usually you want to hear on the side of overdressed and underdressed <laughs> when you do a presentation. Uh, you don't want your appearance to distract from what you're saying in front of people. Um, if someone is sitting there looking like, you know what? Mm -hmm. He looks like a mess. Did he just roll out of bed? Come out here. He's not going to be paying any attention to what you're saying. He's just going to be looking at you and, and judging the way you look. <laughs> yeah. And we can go back to the podcast on um, how to dress as a home inspector. 
because there's some really good principles in there. Here's a couple things where I've seen guys in my own market fail. Um, if you have a beard or don't have a beard, choose between one or the other. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, because not all of us grow in the stubble evenly. <laughs> I know. Some, some faces are just not meant for beards. You have to realize that. <laughs> or some faces are meant for the half beard. Like I've seen some guys where I'm like, wow, that looks good on you, man. And I've seen other guys like you just said, did he just get out of bed? Um, it's just pick one or the other. If we have a beard, make it neat. If we don't have a beard, clean shaven. If we have a mustache, trim it up. If to comb our hair, whatever happens to work for you. So personally, when I would show up to an office presentation, I would show up in my work clothes, but my cleanest ones. So I'd wear um, my nice jeans, my nicest work shoes, which were still my work shoes, but they were office presentation shoes. They were just clean. <laughs> my polo shirt, but I would not wear my hat. I'd wear my polo shirt with my logo on it, but I wouldn't wear my hat because it was just a, it just looked a little bit better in my opinion. Uh, wear something with your logo on it. If we're coming from a present, uh, a, from an inspection to a presentation or vice versa, we should never, ever be dirty. We should, I don't care if we think that well, I didn't climb into anything. It must be clean. Worst possible thing, you turn around, you have a cobweb on your back that you didn't know about. You sat down in the dirt and you didn't think about it and there's mud on your butt. Whatever it happens to be, change. Always fresh, clean clothes. Uh, I always tried to do my presentations in the morning so I'd be fresh, showered, and all cleaned up. Fresh breath is important, especially if you're doing an office presentation in a small room. Yeah. Filling the room with your presence. <laughs> well, let's be honest. It gets hot in the summer and we get dehydrated. That's uh -huh. not great for our breath. No. And we may have grabbed some McDonald's on the way. That's not great for our breath. So I always kept mouthwash, toothbrush, and deodorant in my vehicle just in general. And every home inspector will carry toilet paper. If you're not, carry toilet paper. <laughs> that should always happen. That is completely unrelated. That doesn't have nothing to do, that has nothing to do with office presentations. In your little personal care kit, toilet paper. But then deodorant, mouthwash, and toothbrush, because you never know when an opportunity comes up. And also in between inspections, I'd like to just kind of freshen up so I didn't, you know, didn't smell bad. But um, if we're doing an office presentation, that's how I would do it. I'd have a completely different set of clothes on if I did a seminar. If I did a seminar, it was generally speaking dress shoes, khakis, maybe my polo shirt, or maybe my button-up shirt with a logo on it. And no hat for a um, for like a an event. I always hated those events. Ah, oh, good night. I hate those events. Uh, the real estate events, and we might be asked to speak. We might even be getting an award. I got an award one time or two. Uh, you know, it, we want to be dressed up for that. Yeah, see on the shelf behind you. I'm best dad. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> best dad ever. Different award. That one means more. But I would I would wear a suit depending on the event. Some events were shirt and tie, but a lot of those events, they're dressing up. The agents are wearing gowns. So wear a jacket and tie. If we don't have one, rent one, get one, borrow one, whatever it happens to be. Not a tuxedo. <laughs> rent one. Yeah. And I, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I have seen it. No clip on ties. Yes. The top button has to be buttoned. Your shoes should be shined. Yes. You have to wear a belt with a suit and it should fit. And going back to the 
beard, not beard. Uh, if we have straggly facial hair and our hair isn't combed just right, we look like the homeless guy out on the street wearing a suit, not the nice, well-dressed guy, business guy wearing a suit. So a little bit of a dress code there. But I mean, these are just some basic principles with a couple of quick tips. We could go on all day and maybe we'll come back with a couple of other quick tips. But we actually have a couple of podcasts coming up uh, by request, actually. Uh, we're going to do one on some real estate presentation subject matter and how to get the most out of your real estate uh, presentation. Uh, we're actually going to have a guest on who's going to talk to us about um, also how to write a better report. Someone who's been writing reports since the 80s and is nationally recognized for writing amazing reports. So we're looking forward to that. It's Mike Crow. And then also we're going to talk about how to be more charismatic at real estate events. So uh, real estate offices, real estate events. I'm looking forward to that one because I'm not a very charismatic guy, I don't think. But at events, there are certain things that you can do to turn the levers and dials in to make yourself appear more charismatic and win people over a little bit easier just by doing a simple few tricks. And then we can turn it off when we leave. It's that dark magic again. <laughs> dark magic. <laughs> That's going to be another marketing for introverts, basically. Yeah. <laughs> podcast. But even if we think we're charismatic, there's a, there's a few tricks in there that'll really, really help us. Things that I never really thought about. And then when I put it into practice, it worked out really well. Nice. Anything you want to leave, leave us on with a thought, David? What's your best public speaking tip? Because you do it a lot. So I'd say genuinely care about the audience. That's probably the best thing. And and I know, you know, it's a little bit corny with, you know, especially with the subject matter that we're talking about now. It's not really something that lends to caring about people, but just put yourself in their spot. You know, what are they trying to get out of you? How can you help them get that from you? And then really, you know, show concern for what they want. And and usually your speech will or your presentation will be that much better. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. We cannot fake caring. You can have an okay presentation that comes out amazing if you actually care about people, because that will come across. If we have a perfect presentation, but we don't act like we care about them, which you can't fake, you can't feign, going back to our word of the day. That's not sorry. <laughs> that's not a sorry word. Okay. We can't fake caring about people. Because people pick up on that. I think that's really a fantastic point. So great point to end on. And thank you again, David. We'll talk soon. Been a pleasure. Bye. On behalf of myself, Ian, and the entire ITB team, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can catch our future episodes as well. And if you have any feedback, please send us an email at info at also, don't forget to check out our brand new app for home inspectors, scheduling and report writing all in one easy to use app. Check it out now at inspectortoolbelt.com. The views and opinions of this podcast and its guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Inspector Toolbelt and its associates.